It's the Saturday morning rewatch where we rewatch old cartoons. Hi, Jess. Hi, Kelly. Time for another episode of Saturday morning rewatch. Woo! This time we watched something that is most certainly a rewatch for me, but I think you said it isn't a rewatch for you? That is correct. I saw a few episodes, but never really got to watch the whole show. Gotcha. Okay, so now that we have let suspense linger long enough, we watched Avatar The Last Airbender! Yes. Yeah, we really wanted to watch something good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) After the last couple. Yeah. (laughs) So we treated ourselves to something that we knew was excellent. Yeah. And even though I hadn't really watched it before, I was not disappointed at all. I think that's the biggest thing about it, is like, you'll hear so much about Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. And then you watch it and you're like oh i get it now but anyway uh so this show in terms of a theme song just has a character with a lot of exposition (laughs) yes they really cram it into that 30 45 seconds so there's a monologue that i'm gonna mess the elements up you guys so like don't at me on this one i'm trying my best um i think it goes water earth fire air yeah, I think that's Long right. ago, the four nations lived in harmony. Then everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could save us. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years have passed, and now my brother and I discovered the new Avatar. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he can save anybody. But I think he has the power to save the world and then there's like a swell of music where it's like oh so there i sang it excellent excellent you also provided most of the summary yeah so i don't have to read it all which is great because it's a really complicated show yeah they really do like sum it up in the opening which i know we've talked about this with some of the older cartoons where they're like oh yeah just tell us everything they're great like but this actually works really really well because of how complex the plot gets oh yeah So I think I will add some of the stuff I wrote in my summary that's not in the opening. The Last Airbender was a Nickelodeon original cartoon, which I didn't know until I started watching it. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was anime. It's not. It's just Americans impersonating anime. It was created by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Con. Let's go. I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, it ran from 2005 until 2008, which explained a lot to me about why I missed it because I had already graduated high school, so I wasn't like watching as many cartoons. Mm-hmm. So there are three seasons and 61 total episodes. And let's see. Then there's the stuff that already got explained. The one who does the narration is Katara, and her brother is Sokka. Sokka. Sokka sorry, it's spelled with an O. I know it when I hear it. <laughs> yeah, it's Sokka. It's Sokka, um, and they're both from the Southern Water Tribe, and they accidentally discover Aang, who is the Avatar, and his flying bison, Appa, who is the best ever. <laughs> yes. Appa is an amazing creature. Like, Appa and Momo as additions to the show are so, so good. I think that's one of the things that makes me really happy, is that basically every addition they make is excellent. <laughs> yes! Like, everything in the show is really, really good, and there's just such... Such strong character that even just the animals have such characterizations that you're like, oh shit, I love them. Like, (laughs) and then of course, at the same time as our hero group is trying to teach Aang all the elements. Prince Zuko, the exiled Fire Nation prince, is hunting for the Avatar in order to regain his honor. Yes! Honor! Honor! It's so 
God, we're going to talk a lot about Prince Zuko. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm just going to read a quote from the wiki page because it sums up a lot of things that it would take me too long to say. And it was that the series explored many concepts rarely touched on in Western children's television shows, including issues relating to war, genocide, and imperialism, gender discrimination, and female empowerment, marginalization, and oppression, and the philosophical questions surrounding fate and destiny. Yes. <laughs> Which is very true. And I was like, that is much more concise than anything I'm going to write down. So I'm just going to steal yes. it. <laughs> I love it. And it doesn't even touch on everything that the show touches on. No. Those are just some of the major themes. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, especially that last one about destiny. Who? Boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to say right now, like, from this point forward, there will definitely be spoilers. So if yeah. you haven't watched it, just go watch the show instead of listening yeah. to us. You will not hurt my feelings. No, and also, I think this is a rare one where I can say, like, up front, my rating is, like, 20 out of 10. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. Like, well, this is... This is one of the best cartoons I've ever watched. Yes! <laughs> I'm so excited you think so. But yeah, so like, if you haven't seen it, this is seriously right here, right now. This is it. Stop the podcast. Just get out of here. Just go watch it. <laughs> buy it. You'll not regret owning it, I promise. All right, so boop, there you go. You had your warning. Yeah, because... Suggest uh, how good is this show? <laughs> so good. So un- un- unlike what we normally do... I did watch the entire show because it deserves to be watched, and it's really plot-heavy, so it's not the kind of show where you can just, like, pop in and out and understand what's going on. I mean, there are a few episodes where you could do that because they're just kind of one-offs, but on the whole, this show is made to be watched in its entirety from beginning to end. Yeah, not to mention, honestly, you do yourself a disservice by popping in and out of it because, like, the character growth and the character building are so strong that were you to do this in like a weird way and watch like some of the ending episodes first Mm -hmm. the show would not give you the same impact that it has after watching all three of the books you know Mm -hmm. like and i i'm sorry they break it up into books based on the elements book one is water book two is earth book three is um fire fire, i believe yeah Yeah. hell yeah it is (laughs) he already right and he already knows airbending so that's why there is no air book and i believe when it was airing each book was essentially two seasons Mm. so it's a lot of fucking episodes y'all but there's not a one that I would take out because even the fucking filler is so fucking good. Like, oh my one of my favorite episodes is when Appa's lost. Oh, yeah. I definitely want to talk about Appa being lost. Ugh. Yeah. Were you talking about the one where it's from Appa's perspective? Yes. After the sand yeah. people stole him mm-hmm. and you're just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, and the thing about Appa being lost. Okay. So at one point, Appa gets kidnapped and you're like, oh, my God. You, it's the kind of thing where you assume in any other cartoon, this would be resolved instantly. Mm-hmm. Like, he would just escape and everything would be fine. But that's not how this show plays it. No. Oh, no. Mm-mm. He's nope. kidnapped and missing for, like, half a season. And yeah. everyone is devastated. Yeah, everyone is fucking heartbroken by it, as they should be. And they show you what's happening with Appa. Yes. And not only is it completely, incredibly, like, you know, emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Like, sometimes people are kind to him. Sometimes they're not. A lot of times he ends up hurt. Yes. And it's like he's he's an animal. It's as if your dog was lost. And it's very much like... Holy shit, no, don't hurt him. But they use it as a way to show the status of people Mm. around this world. And it's another way into those themes of imperialism where you're talking about this is a world where one nation has risen up to overtake all the others. 
and they literally use Appa to show you how some of the different people are coping. Yeah. Which is just fucking genius, man. It's genius. It's so good. And again, Appa, he is a sky bison. He is fluffy, he has six legs, and he flies, and he's huge. And he's amazing. But he is one of the animals in the show. Having heard all that, can you imagine what they do with the people? Oh my god. <laughs> like... Okay, okay, all right. I said before we started that I kind of wanted you to lead this conversation because, to be perfectly honest, I skimmed through some of my favorite episodes mm-hmm. because I watched Avatar all the way through live and then a second time on Nickelodeon, and it was in college because I went to an art school and there were lots oh, of animators yeah, around. It was Yeah, it was <laughs> one of our ambient shows. Like, this was one of the shows people would put on in the background when there was nothing on or if they wanted to watch in-betweens or anything like that, like, I feel really cheated right life. now because the thing that we put on in the background was like Grey's Anatomy, and that does Ugh. not hold a candle to the no. show. God, like art school for the win. Um, but anyway, so I have several feelings about Avatar, and I wanted to know what your feelings okay. about the last. Okay, I mean, Avatar I have so are. many feelings. I don't even know where to start. I think I'll start with the fact that the world building is perfect. I mean, they yes. They introduce everything really fast and efficiently, but it also doesn't feel overwhelming. Like, it all makes sense, but it's all also creatively thought out. And it's, you're like, oh, yeah, it's elemental magic. I get that. But then the show is like, yeah, but let me show you what we can do. And it's not just the same thing you've seen over and over again. And they repeatedly, like, take it to places that, like, in your brain when you're thinking about it to yourself, you're like, that would make sense, right? Like, they can... The waterbenders can bend plants. Mm-hmm. And then also, they can bend blood. <laughs> oh, what a good episode! I'm sorry, I just blew my fucking speaker. <laughs> no. it but it's like one of those things where in your so head, good. you're like, oh, yeah, of course. But I don't expect yes. the show to do that. And then the show does. <laughs> yes. And not only do they do it, blood. the bloodbending episode is horrifying. It's amazing. And I think that that one actually, it encapsulates a lot of what this show does really well, because mm-hmm. the woman who teaches Katara bloodbending has been a prisoner of war, because she yeah. was a waterbender who was taken by the fire tribe, and had to learn bloodbending in order to escape. Yeah. Which, like, yeah. holy shit, this is a children's yeah. show! <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it goes so deep, and you can see it on her face. Like, when she... Yeah teaches Katara, you're like, holy shit, this is, like, a lot and terrifying. And then she straight up is like, cool, now we're gonna go murder all of them. And Katara's like, what? No, no, no. We, we can't. And she's like, why not? They're fucking terrible. And you're like, this makes so much sense as literally a woman who is a prisoner of war for her whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? And Katara to be like, holy shit, this is not something I can just dick around right. with. This is, like, something horrible and she immediately sees it for what it is which is essentially that you take away someone's bodily autonomy Mm -hmm. like the show doesn't say that as so much but they show it they literally show you that she realizes that this is negating a sense of selfhood in people and she then decides not to use it even though they're in a literal war right but then she does have to use it yes (laughs) (laughs) Because we aren't going to introduce this and then not have to go there. Like, Yes! 
And like, oh my god, Katara as a character is just oh, a million chef kisses. I love I her so I much. I love her. Oh. And actually, like, her bending is my favorite because yes. it's beautiful and it's so intense. I and mean, like, oh, I just loved because I went back and watched the very first episode and watching Katara with mm-hmm. her mittens on trying to move a wave. And then you get to Katara at the very end of the show, oh who is now God. a full-fledged waterbender master. And in a rage at one point, she stops the rain. Oh, I love that part so much. Whoa. She creates a bubble around them and stops the rain and then freezes it and unfreezes it. And you're just like, oh my God. <laughs> like she literally becomes a force of nature unto herself. It's a, I think that her bending... You can see, well, like you said, you see the progression of her skill set, but also it's visible in a way, and malleable in a way that, like, air and fire aren't. Mm -hmm. Because the fire bending doesn't seem to be really something you can construct things out of, and air is not visible. (laughs) Yeah. So when you get to the water bending, I think the fact that you can change the form of water so quickly makes it, and they really take advantage of that in the animation and the things they have Katara do. Yeah. And here's a big spoiler, but in the end, the end, when she is capturing Princess Azula, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, where she straight up just almost drowns her, and she, Katara's yes. like, yeah, I'm fine, dude. She, she tricks Azula into stepping over, like, a drain, basically, where there's water flowing, and then she pulls the water up over both of them and creates this water bubble. So both of them are nearly drowning. Yeah. She freezes them both, and then turns it to liquid, and then moves through the water to chain Azula. And I was just like, you're blowing my mind right now. (laughs) Like, Like, and waterbelling has the most diverse applications in the show. Which I think is really important, too, because water is the element that makes up so much of our lives and yeah. so much of, like, the planet. So it actually makes sense for water to be the most malleable after Earth. And it's another great thing that in terms of your first point of how the world building is, is all of it actually makes sense. Yes. Water and Earth are the elements, like you said, you see the most in terms mm-hmm. of how they react. You see the Earth move. You see the water move. It can build things. It can act as secondary limbs or whatever. Whereas fire and air are both extremely temporal. Yeah. However, both of them have hella destructive capabilities. Right. They're still very powerful elements, but you don't get to see them in the same way you get to see the water and the earth bending. I think because water and earth are so present and physical, we get to see them do a lot more amazing things. I mean, in addition to the blood bending, Katara like makes sweat and uses that as her water. Like, yes. I mean, there's just one thing after another where you're like, wow, okay. Which is so great because, again, Katara is a force of nature She's by the amazing. end. Because you straight up, you can't keep her anywhere. No. You can't. She literally is captured, realizes she can bend sweat, works up enough of a sweat to cut through the bars, and just is like, bye! Like. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it's really... She's amazing. I do love Katara a lot. I don't think there's any character that I don't love, so I'll just put that out there, but... Yeah. Katara as a a female character in particular is really fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so next note. (laughs) That was kind of two (laughs) together, because Katara is really essential to the world building. Yeah, Katara's perfect, BT dubs. You can at me all you want, and, you know, I'll just point to her freezing the fucking rain and capturing people in ice and learning to be a bloodbender and just all of it's it. It's amazing. All of it. No, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Katara's the best. Fuck off. <laughs> 
So the next thing I wrote down was about Aang being a 12-year-old boy. Yes. A lot of times in kids' shows, they're just kids or teenagers because it's a kids' show. But in this show, it matters that he's 12. Mm-hmm. A lot. They're all young, but I think that Sokka and Katara are a little older than he is. They're like maybe 14 and 16 or something. But Aang is 12. So he's been trapped in ice for 100 years, and the world has been at war while Aang is asleep. And what Aang brings back to this world is his joy and his playfulness. Yes! He laughs a lot. He smiles all the time. He's kind to everyone. And it's not that there aren't any other happy people in this world. It's just that he is... He doesn't just bring people hope. He also brings them, like, the reason for wanting this war to be over is this chance for a happy and carefree life. And he embodies that. (laughs) Yeah. He also shows how powerful children are in terms of not having prejudice. Yes. Since he was frozen away at a time when the Fire Nation were just people, mm-hmm. he doesn't automatically think the the entire nation of the Fire Nation yes. is that. He also, when he goes to like the Earth Kingdoms, which are incredibly like um, seclusionist. I don't know if that's the word. Whatever. Their doors are hella closed. They're like, yes. fuck you. We n- we've built our walls. You can't get in the end, which makes sense for an Earth Kingdom. And Aang is sort of like, no, you're supposed to help people, but also look how fun this is. Mm-hmm. Like, his joy is incredibly important. Also, again, another big spoiler, his entire journey, they hint at the idea that he is supposed to, quote unquote, defeat the Fire Lord. And he's always nervous about it and very sort of like, haha, yeah, that's a thing I'll do. And at the very end, they make him fully confront the idea that he does not want to kill another human being because he's a child who was raised without the ideas of war. Yes. Well, and he's raised by monks who teach yeah. him to be a pacifist and he doesn't want to betray that. Yeah. I mean, the person that he has to fight is the Fire Lord who is personally responsible for trying to destroy the world and has no interest in stopping. So, I mean, yeah, their ending solution for that was phenomenal. It's so good and also like please Please tell me that you were on the edge of your seat because when I watched that shit live, it was with a room full of people and all of us were silent, holding our fucking breaths. And every time he almost got hit, we're like, like, it was so good. It was so good. Well, and and they like ratcheted it up because he has previously failed. Mm hmm. So you're just like, oh my God, I don't think he's going to fail this time, but I also am not sure how he's like, how he's going to win. Because, yeah. like, I was pretty sure, sh- like, it crossed my mind that removing Fire Lord Ozai's powers might be a solution, but uh, I was still not sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I oh still God, didn't yeah. know what they were going to do or how, because he also goes into his avatar state. Yeah. He, uh, he goes into his avatar state, which is this state where... The avatar glows and, like, has access to all of his past lives, but he's not really in control of himself. He's just sort Mm of a force to be reckoned with and potentially a monster, given depending on the context. Yep. So you're like, well, yeah, I guess if he's in the avatar state, he might just kill the Fire Lord because he might not be able to stop himself. But no. Yeah. (laughs) Aang takes it to another level. (laughs) Yeah. And I love, too, that you could... It could... You could maybe argue that it's sort of a deus ex machina thing, but like throughout the show, all the characters talk about how the original benders were animals and that 
it's legend to believe that uh, that people as a group learned bending from animals, and they even have a character who did learn bending from animals. Yes. So when Aang meets the world turtle, essentially, and that turtle's like, oh yeah, of course I know how to do this because I'm fucking ancient and magical and shit. Here you go, little boy. Like, it makes sense that, again, yes. that will of this joyful child could override the rest of this to sort of be like, no, I'm going to be who I am. Because it's childish to think that way, mm -hmm. but incredibly powerful because half of adulthood is learning to compromise and Aang doesn't do that. Right. Yeah. When I think it ultimately gives the story a much more fulfilling end. Yeah. Because he doesn't compromise his beliefs. And he basically is like, no, there's a way of ending this without killing. Yeah. Plus, it turns the monsters of the story into people. Like, they do right. it slowly with Azula and seeing her go oh, essentially, yeah. like, truly lose her mind mm -hmm. and lose her sanity. But Ozai happens within the fight and at the yes. end where he's like, you should just fucking kill me. And Aang's like, no. And he's like, why? Right. Like, like it's, it's worse for him to not die. Yeah, because for both of them, it's very clear that so much of their identities are caught up in their bending, in the Empire, and in violence that mm -hmm. without it, they don't know who they are. Right. Which, okay, side note, after Katara does the amazing waterbending thing, mm. fucking, oh my god, sh rising on the ground, spitting fire? Oh yeah. Azula's complete and utter breakdown is so, like... It's not amazing. compelling to me and like the oh my god I love seeing people hurt but it feels so visceral well yeah we're gonna talk a lot more about uh, Fire Ozai's children mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, they take someone who has been monstrous up to yeah. this point and they just tear her apart yeah <laughs> like, completely she loses Ugh. it it's amazing <laughs> it's so good and so like you feel it you feel yes. it. Anyway, okay, okay, all right, all right, I'll calm down. All right, It's next fine. Point. It's really hard because everything <laughs> is so well done. I did want to note, in addition to Aang being 12, that he is like Samurai Jack, and the show came out just after Samurai Jack had finished. Uh, Aang is a chosen one who ran away. Yes. And lost because his former incarnation was Avatar Roku, who was of the Fire Nation and was friends with the Fire Lord who starts the war. Yeah. And he felt like it was his failure to stop his friend from doing that that is, like, responsible for everything that's happened. And it's Aang's responsibility to fix it, which Aang doesn't know when he runs away. He just is a child who runs away. <laughs> uh, yeah. But because of his choice to run away, he is lost for a hundred years. And... That's how the world got to be where it is, in which the the airbenders have been genocided. There are no more. That's why he's, he's the last. He's the last one. Uh, which I mean, holy shit! <laughs> like yeah. they don't they don't hide that from you either. No, like, that happens in like episode three. Yeah, all the airbenders have been murdered by the Fire Nation. <laughs> Just straight up because they were looking for Aang. Which like no no pressure, man. But that's like a whole other reason for him to feel terrible. Yeah, is because he knows he knows for a fact that it's because they were looking for him that his entire people died. Yes. 
Right. It is really intense. And he somehow manages to, like, not take that out on the entire Fire Nation. So yeah. Aang is just the best human. <laughs> like, he really is. He's so good. And, he, and again, he still wants to laugh. Like, when he meets yes. Katara and Sokka, he's like, ooh, can you show me how to go penguin sledding? Yes. It's true. I'm supposed to save the whole world. I'm the Avatar, but I really just, hey, just real quick, I want to play a game. Yeah. Like- <laughs> and he actually, like, for the first several episodes, he's more focused on, like, seeing all these things he's missed mm-hmm. than getting to the north to learn waterbending. But I think that's really important, too, because what he ends up seeing is that the world is not the same as it was when he fell into the ice. Yeah. And that he has to. He has to. He doesn't have a choice because he's got to make up for some lost time here. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, it's all pretty amazing. Um, okay, so we can talk about Toph, who is the Earthbender. Uh, also amazing. Yes, she is also amazing. And we were talking so much about Katara, I couldn't stop thinking about Toph. Yeah, same though, because she's yeah. also so she's good. <laughs> so good. She gets introduced in season two when they're looking for an earthbending teacher, and they find this little girl who I don't even know if they tell us. She's like ten. Yeah. And she is blind, but she so she learns earthbending from the like earth moles. I don't mm-hmm. remember what they call them. Badger moles. Badger moles. Right. Every animal yeah. in this show is a hybrid. <laughs> Except <laughs> like, for one bear. Except for one bear. <laughs> which was really amazing. It's so good, you guys. He's a pet of, like, a royal. And yes. literally at one point, people are like, we're going to see the bear. And the Avatar kids are like, like a duck bear? And they're like, no. And they're like, like a turtle bear? And someone's like, no, it's just a bear. Just and bear. And they're like, like I don't Whoa. understand. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's so good. Anyway, yes, animals are doubles. She learned it from badger moles, which are huge, by the way. They like, are they're huge. Half the, about half the size of a house. They're just huge. They can't see either, but she learns how to earthbend from them, and her earthbending is just the absolute best. Yeah, she becomes stellar. the only metal bender in existence. <laughs> yep. Also, the thing that I love the most is where do they find Toph? Is, you oh, know, yes. oh, they go to the Earth Kingdom, and Aang's like, ooh, I bet we'll find amazing earthbenders at a fucking wrestling match. Yes. And in the wrestling match is Toph, the 10 year old girl. And she's fucking cleaning up. Yes. <laughs> she just comes out of nowhere. Nobody knows who she is. And she just kicks ass over yes. and over. There's literally a character called the Boulder mm-hmm. that tells like, listen, little girl, the Boulder doesn't want to fight. And I'm just like, I hope the Rock knows this character exists. <laughs> I hope so, too, because it would be amazing. And she just fucking trashes him. <laughs> it's so good. I don't even have words for Toph. She's amazing. <laughs> I feel like they finished season one and they were like, how can we possibly up this game? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Let's take it through the roof. Yeah. She's so mean. (laughs) She is. She's so mean. And that's what I really love, too, is that when they introduce Toph, you've already established the Katara-Saka-Aang dynamic. Yes. And Katara is sort of like the mother of the team. And again, it's one of those things that makes sense because her mother is gone. Her Mm -hmm. mother was killed by the Fire Nation. So she's had to be a mother to her brother and her father is gone because he is fighting in the war right. so she's kind of sweet she's kind of naggy like as strong and amazing as she is they also deal with her personality and how it grows away from like traditional gender tropes Toph is gross yes Toph spits on people Toph doesn't wear shoes because she's like I need to feel the earth in order to be able to move Toph is straight up fuck you for life 
Oh, like yeah. about anything and everything all the time. And they follow her back to her house to find out that she is actually the daughter of like a very wealthy and important family. And they think she's useless because she's blind and she just pretends with them. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's amazing. I mean, at one point she tells the other characters like, well, you guys never had any manners. I learned all these manners and then I chose to ignore them. <laughs> like, yeah, she's like, what I'm doing is a choice. What you guys are is heathens. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's really amazing. <laughs> it's so good. And she and Katara don't gel at first. No, it takes them a lot of time. They're clearly friends, but it takes a lot of time. And they have a couple different moments and then a whole ass episode mm -hmm. where the girls are very much like, in each other's faces about who they are as people. Right. And then slowly they're sort of like, actually, we should be friends. Like, they do a makeover episode, and the, it's literally like Katara's like, ooh, let's go get pretty and have all these fun things. And Tasha's like, cool, I used to have to do this my whole life. I hate it. And Katara's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And she's like, let's go make a fucking mess. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so good. And, like, in later ones, Tasha's kind of like, I actually miss my family, but I don't really want to, like, show that mm -hmm. to anybody. And the person she goes to is Katara, and they build such a strong relationship as a result of that. Right, yeah. So, yeah. And then, can we just... Toph is disabled, and she's not the only disabled character in this world. They go out of their way to show people, A, who are casualties of war. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of burn victims, a lot of people with limbs that aren't helpful. There's a special episode where some people have taken over an airbender temple, and they use gliders, mm -hmm. actually. And at first, Aang is really pissed off because they're not air nomads, and he thought they were air nomads. But... One of the kids there is wheelchair-bound, and he also uses a glider. Like, Toph is indicative of the rest of the show, where people who are differently abled are given a ton of respect. Mm -hmm. And just, like, literally because of the world they live in, are like, oh, well, we'll use our bending and our technology and our techniques to make sure you can do all the things everybody else can do. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I've ever seen a disabled character in a cartoon that's as awesome as Toph. Yeah. Also, they never forget she's disabled. Right. They never forget, and they also never do anything stupid with her character. Like, yeah. uh, she has to be touching the ground because that's how she sees the world around her. And she is always telling the other characters, like, no, I don't want to go in that thing because then I can't touch the ground, dummies. Like, I would yeah. rather stand on the outside of this, like, war zone like, yes. <laughs> than get inside that truck thing. <laughs> like, Yeah. And even then, when I say they don't forget, it's not a handicap for her. Like, there's at one point, everybody is staring at, like, a wanted poster, and they're like, whoa. And Toph just goes, it's a piece of paper, you <laughs> dummies. What's on it? Like, <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah. And she literally uses it to make them feel stupid. Yes. And it's so funny to me. And she's, she's so capable. And okay, can I give you a spoiler for The Legend of Korra, which is the follow-up yes. to Avatar? Toph is still around. Awesome. It's so good because she essentially becomes like a legendary nomad where people are like, oh yeah, Toph was maybe here. And then you see like a big piece of metal somewhere and they're like, oh yeah, she totally was. Mm. But she told us to fuck off. Like, she <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That is yeah, very like hard. Oh, it's so, Toph is so fucking good, you guys. She is also one of my favorites. Don't at me. <laughs> I know. I mean, again, I love everyone. Uh, and I actually do also want to talk about Sokka. So yes. I guess we can finish up the Avatar group here. Yes. Sokka 
is a he's from the Southern Water Tribe, but he is not a bender. No. And I feel like a lot of times in shows where there's like one non-magic user, they don't really do a lot. They're yeah. kind of to the side. But Sokka is essential, and I yeah. love it. Yeah. He becomes the map reader and the strategizer, mm-hmm. and eventually he even like he meets a sword master yeah. so that he can also be trained because he's kind of bummed out for a while, and they're like, "You need your own master. We've all had our other masters." So he gets a sword master and becomes a sword fighter. Mm-hmm. They make such good use of his character. Like he's yeah. also the butt of a lot of jokes. He is comic relief, but that's another part of his role in the group. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time when he's comic relief, it's as a result of his own sexism or idiocy. It's true. When he's being great, it's because he literally has opened himself up to something yes. or is trying something new or going somewhere. When he, like, falls on his ass, it's because he was saying, oh, I'm making fun of a girl or, oh, look yeah. at me, I'm going to be something stupid. And it's like, Sokka, that was dumb. You deserve this. Yes, <laughs> you're suffering now because of your own stupid choices. Yeah. I think the Kyoshi Warriors are probably the best example of that. They go to this island where there's a group of female warriors and he at first thinks that's really dumb and that of course he must be stronger than all of them but they kick his ass because they're professional warriors (laughs) (laughs) and eventually he just shows up and is like hey can you teach me what you're doing? And he's super humble about it. Yeah. And they're like, okay, but you have to wear the dress that we all wear. And he does, and he learns how to fight like that. <laughs> yeah, and it's great. And I think it's also good that Sokka's sexism and, like, ridiculous, you know, rush first, ask questions later, is not solved in one episode. It's literally part of his arc in the waterbending yes. series, where he literally has to learn to not be a dick. And every time he isn't a dick he's rewarded Mm -hmm. with strong friendships and amazing experiences with other women he even has to learn how to not be a dick to his sister yes because again katara's a force of fucking nature (laughs) but tasaka is like oh this is my dumb sister and he has to learn to like see her in a different light and she also has to do the same for him because like you said he ends up being a master strategist yeah he's such an integral and important part of the team that by the end of it you're like Sokka is also the best don't at me I know, I know. I love him. I was really (laughs) impressed with his character by the end of the show. I was like, okay. You could have just cast him aside as the comic relief, but you didn't. You made him important to this team of people. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing that that is helpful for is that in the end, you see it's not just Aang alone. It's Aang with this group of people who has taught and supported and helped him. Exactly. And that's genuinely how he wins. Is because, like, all the other reasons he failed and his predecessor failed the first time Mm -hmm. was they were working alone. And as soon as they work with people they can trust and open themselves up to other people that can help, they succeed. The Avatar is supposed to bring balance to the four elements, and what he literally does kind of on accident is bring together one member of each of the Mm -hmm. elemental nations as well as a person who's not a vendor, and that's the team he builds. (laughs) Yes. And it's so great because, like, Sokka's not the only example of a non-bender being powerful. Yeah. The group of people who take over the air temple, none of them are benders. Right. None of them. They're Earth Nation people, but they're not benders. And, like, 
seeing what they can do with ingenuity is yeah. so, so important. Part of Azula's master killer squad of little girls, yes. which we have to get to. Oh my god. Two out of the three of them are non-benders, and they're yes. fucking amazing. So, like, the fact that the show is about these powers, but never forgets about the people is yeah. amazing. Ugh, it's so good. <laughs> I totally yeah. forgot about, uh, was it Murder my Lee and... <laughs> Ty- no, yeah. Tylee and May. Sorry. Tylee and May are fucking okay, amazing. Okay. And a full ass murder squad of <sighs> teenage girls. They're and so it's terrifying. I love them. Okay, okay. <laughs> There's just so many things I love so much. It's so hard. Uh, okay. I think it's probably time that we get to the Fire Nation characters. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, Prince Zuko. <laughs> ah. Man. It is a good thing that I didn't know Prince Zuko when I was a 19-year-old girl, <laughs> because I would have lost my damn mind. Right? Also, can I just say that I love pre-redemption Zuko, because all of us oh. a little bit pre-redemption Zuko. Not a lot, but like a little bit. The thing about pre-redemption Zuko is that you still hurt for him. Yes. He's yes. so sad. Yes. It's, I mean, they tell you pretty early on that Prince Zuko has a burn on his eye because his father made him fight a duel and Zuko refused to fight his father. Yeah. So his father burned him. Yeah. Super, like, right off the bat, you're like, oh no. What? This is (laughs) fucked up. And Zuko is convinced Ooh. that he can earn his father's love by getting the Avatar. Uh-huh. And that he's just constantly and continuously searching for a place of belonging while yes. resenting what he sees as his failures and ultimately himself. And he's just, oh, He's just an angst. It's just like so just A bundle of angst. And it's like, he's the foil to Aang, whereas yes. Aang is 12 and he brings all that joy. Zuko is a teenager. Zuko is a 16-year-old boy, <laughs> and my favorite thing about him is that sometimes it's really obvious that that's what he is. Yes, he is always and eternally a 16-year-old boy. Like, he fucking rags on his uncle, who is perfect in every way, about drinking uncle. tea constantly. I like, know. That's a 16-year-old boy move. <laughs> right? And then there's moments where he, like, he can be super badass, and then in the next moment, he's, like, tripping over something. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. He's so gangly. <laughs> it's so great. Uh, okay, so, yeah, so Prince Zuko is traveling uh, oh. alone, basically. Like, he has his own little boat. He's not, mm-hmm. he's exiled from the Fire Nation. Literally exiled. And like, cannot go home. <laughs> his uncle, Iroh, is the person who travels with him. And Iroh, of course, is the Fire Lord's brother, and he's mm-hmm. a general. A war hero. A war hero, a general, but he was disgraced because he couldn't get through the wall at Ba Sing Se, which is the Earth city they haven't taken yet. Mm-hmm. So Uncle Aro should have been the Fire Lord, but he yep. isn't because his son was killed at the Battle of Ba Sing Se and because Ozai basically stole the throne from him. <laughs> yeah, like it's made very clear throughout the show that what happened was Iroh essentially noped out after his yes. son's death. Like Ozai definitely worked to steal the throne. Yeah, but Iroh didn't fight back. He was like, yeah. you can have it because I am devastated. Yeah, Iroh's like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, and also you're going to exile your son? Cool, well, I'm going to go with him. <laughs> 
Right? <laughs> Which is so good because you think about these two characters together. Like, you have Ozai who banishes his only son. And then you have Iroh who has lost his only son. And yes. you can tell from Jump that Iroh is like, fuck you. I've lost a son. I cannot imagine you banishing a child. I know. And I'm just going to be here for him. Like, he's so there for Zuko oh. all the time. Uh, and then there's the episodes where they're separated. Uh, <laughs> the whole thing is just so much. It's so, and like, finally Zuko realizes what a fucking support he's oh. been. Oh the my god. Well, they realize it like slowly. Like, there are moments throughout where, like, Zuko knows that Iro loves him. Mm-hmm. And they start to act increasingly like a father and a son. Yeah. But Zuko doesn't. There's a point in the middle where Zuko still. Azula offers him the opportunity to go home. Yeah. And he takes it yes. because he doesn't know. That you can't go home again. <laughs> no, and he, and that's the thing is, it's, that arc for him is so clearly like, this is everything I ever wanted, and it means nothing. It means nothing. Because it was only offered to me when they thought I was valuable. He realizes that because of what he's learned traveling through everywhere that's not the Fire Nation, that he can't be what his father wants him to be, which is yeah. cruel and merciless to the other nations. Yeah. His father wants him to be Azula. <laughs> yeah, his father wants him to be Azula, who is monstrous. Yeah. And he can't be because he spent some time wandering alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he has seen some shit and he knows that he is hated. Yeah. Yeah, a thousand percent. He has to deal with that in some really personal and devastating ways alone. Mm-hmm. And he's not cool with it. <laughs> no, and he, he realizes that, like, not only am I not cool with it, I can't make myself be cool with it because he tries he tries he, like, to be cool genuinely with it. tries to be like oh cool this is what i wanted i'm finally getting everything and like but i i cannot do this and also can i just point out they have him realize all of these things in a fucking beach episode yeah like <laughs> in any other cartoon a beach episode is fucking filler nope no no <laughs> This beach episode's gonna fuck you up. Yeah, it fucks you up so bad, and it's so good. It is. It is. Ugh. It's and amazing. And then the best part is he realizes this, and then he goes to find Team Avatar. Yeah. And is essentially like, hands up, hi, hi. Uh, I found you, and they're like, oh fuck, we have to fight you, and he's like, no, 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 no. Please don't fight uh, me. Actually, can I join you this time? And they're and like, Team we Avatar's have like, been what? fighting you for seasons. <laughs> No. They tell him no. Yeah. Which I loved. Yeah. They straight up were like, no. And he's like, okay, I'm just going to like wander around nearby then. Yeah. I'll be In case you change your mind. Not fighting you. (laughs) It's amazing. It's so good. And it also does not come out of nowhere. There's a couple different episodes even before this realization where Zuko has to make a choice. Yes. Between keeping Aang and doing something that's important to him. And 90% of the time, he chooses doing the thing that's important to him. So he has to let Aang go after successfully capturing him a couple different times. Yes. There's a moment where Zuko liberates Aang from his rival, who's a, Mm. what is he, an admiral? Yes, Admiral Zhao, the dick. The dick. 
So he has tried to capture the Avatar and is more than happy to further disgrace Zuko. But Zuko's mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, that cannot stand. So he ninjas his way in yes. as the blue spirit. Yes, he has a ninja sona. <laughs> he's disguised and he doesn't firebend while he's in that disguise. So he's just being a badass. Yep. Again, just showing people without power is still great. <laughs> yes. And he frees Aang, but he has to work together with Aang in order to get out of the fort. Mm-hmm. And then he he gets hit. He gets taken down. And so Aang knows who he is, but Aang yeah. is like, you just saved me from that place I couldn't get out of, though. So Aang saves Zuko. Yeah. Aang waits until Zuko wakes up and is like, hey, I used to have a firebending friend way back in the day. Do you think we could be friends? Zuko is not ready for to be friends. <laughs> no. Which is a great turnaround because at the time, like, Zuko is straight up, like, attacks him. Like, that's yeah. his first thing is he attacks him. And Aang is like, yeah, okay. And then he leaves. And then when Zuko returns to be like, hi, I do want to be friends, Aang is like, no! Like, <laughs> well, Aang is the least nope out of all of them. But yeah. even he is like, I don't know, man, you have tried to hurt me a lot of times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not until Zuko also liberated Appa. That is yes. how Appa returns. Yes. That is the moment where Uncle Iro makes him make a choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he decides to free Appa, but nobody knows that. But it's important. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so important. when Zuko shows up, Appa likes him. Yeah, Appa straight up like, hey, you're my friend. And uh, and the other kids are like, the fuck? Why does Appa like you? Yeah. <laughs> but it matters because that's one of the things where Aang is like, okay. Yeah. So it works out. And it's so amazing. Good. And that isn't even my favorite part of Zuko's story. <laughs> no, I will say I love the arc that follows, which at one point, one of the characters literally calls it out because they essentially make each of the characters go on field trips with yes. Zuko to befriend him. <laughs> yes, and Zuko does. Zuko is basically like, I will do whatever you want me to do in order mm-hmm. to prove that I'm on your side. And then he does. Yeah, he literally does it, and it's fucking great. And again, there's one point where literally, I think it's Sokka who just goes, well, I haven't had a chance to go on a field trip with Zuko. (laughs) I think so, because then he goes and they go to the prison and try to save his father. Yeah. Which is really hard. (laughs) It's very hard, and they almost fail. (laughs) Yeah, they do kind of fail, and then they have to, like, regroup and try again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's hard. Uh, But what's your favorite part of Zuko's art? Oh my god, okay. So Zuko has told his father that he's going to join the Avatar and he's going to get his uncle out of prison, where he is imprisoned for being a traitor to the Fire Nation. But Uncle Arrow had already freed himself, so he's gone. Yes! So Zuko doesn't have a chance to tell his uncle the choice that he's made. So Zuko joins the Avatar team alone. Yeah. Without his uncle... And without his uncle knowing what he's doing. And it takes him a long time to find his uncle. But in the end, they do find each other in Ba Sing Se. And then he tells his uncle that he is so very sorry for the choices that he had made in the past. Zuko cannot understand that someone might just love and accept him. Yeah. He doesn't get it. (laughs) So he's afraid that his uncle will be very mad at him. Mm -hmm. And then he is crying. Zuko is bawling, and his uncle just turns around and hugs him, and Zuko doesn't understand. Yeah. It is, like, the 
best redemption I have mm-hmm. ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's so good because you like cry with him. <laughs> I was I watched it like three times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like this, this. Nobody else even talked to me about redemption arcs until you have seen <laughs> this. Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. And it's so like this also gets back to why it's not a show that you should pop in and out of. Like no. you should watch the whole fucking thing because that is so earned. It and is it feels so like earned. He's without Uncle for so long. It feels like forever. Like you're like maybe they will never see each other again, and then they do, and it is perfect. It's so good, and it's so important to the whole story. Because Fire Lord Ozai fucks up his kids. Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, does that mean it's time to talk about Azuko? It does. Because yes. Zuko has learned that he doesn't need his father's approval because he has Uncle Iroh, who is much kinder and wiser anyway. Yeah, just better overall. He's a better person because he has gone through some shit and come out the other side like, I need to be different than I was before. <laughs> yeah. And in general, he sees Zuko as a person. Yes. So even when Zuko is being a dick to him, he's very clear like, oh, you're a teenager who's hurt. Okay. He really is. There are moments when Uncle begs him to make the right choice and he fails. Mm-hmm. But Uncle never holds that against Zuko. He no. just waits for Zuko to make the right choices, and then he is there for him. Yeah. And it is, I mean, there are a lot of bad parents in fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Iroh is the best parent. Yes, 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 yes. And I don't know if it's because he lost his own son and is like, learned from that, like, to treasure Zuko. I don't know if he was like this before, but he is now. And I was just like, I was crying. I was just yeah. like, this is the best thing that's ever happened. I love it. I feel so loved right now. <laughs> yes. And you get to see Uncle actually go visit his son's grave. Yes. And he cries. Which, by the way, I hate that episode. Oh. It makes me so angry in, like, not a real, real way. Because, like, they dedicated that episode yes. to Uncle Iroh's original voice actor who passed away in the midst of them making the show. So at one point, Uncle's voice does change. It's not not huge but oh it, i noticed this show literally is like hey if uncle's crying you're crying and you're like okay okay <laughs> i guess i am this is mean but just as like uncle essentially gives zuko redemption i think zuko is uncle iroh's redemption because azula is not a person which is partially where her entire breakdown happens yeah. because holy fucking shit so azula is zuko's sister and she is everything the Fire Lord wants yeah. his children to be, which is cruel and merciless and monstrous. And perfect. And perfect. And powerful. Yes. And just like, yeah, a monster. Like she uses lightning and blue flames all the time in her firebending, which mm-hmm. is very powerful, but also like super deadly. Mm-hmm. And it takes a ton of control. Yeah. Like you have to essentially turn yourself into a conduit. Right. And it just shows that from the very beginning, Azula is a conduit for her father. Exactly. She's not a person. No. Part of what's driving her crazy is like at the very end, when she gets what she thinks she wants, but no one is around her to share it with, that's when she starts to lose her mind. No one's there because she sends them all away because she can't Mm -hmm. trust anyone because all she ever does is manipulate people and because of her two friends. 
Yes. May and Ty Lee, yes. who are not benders, but they've been her friends forever. They're like mm-hmm. other nobility daughters. Yeah. One of them is super apathetic to everything, and the other one is yeah. this girl who's like an acrobat and wears bright pink and smiles all the time. Mm-hmm. Ty Lee, who's the acrobat, has this ability to shut off Bender's power by like stabbing their cheek. <laughs> yeah, she uses pressure points. Yes. She doesn't just use it on Bender, she uses it on everyone. She does. So she will literally kickflip over you, punch you in the back, tap your neck, and suddenly you're a heap on the floor. Right. And she's like, hi! You'll be up later. Bye! Right. <laughs> so that's Tylee. And May is actually Zuko's girlfriend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but she's like this goth girl who doesn't care about anything, or at least that's what she tells everyone. Mm-hmm. But like most goth teenagers... She actually cares. She actually cares kind of a lot, but she's not been able to express that in her life, so she Mm -hmm. just pretends she doesn't care. These are Azula's two best friends in the whole world. Her only friends. Her only friends. And then (sighs) Zuko leaves. (laughs) Yeah. Zuko leaves, and May catches up with him when he is in the Fire Nation prison with Sokka trying to liberate Sokka's father. Mm-hmm. And she's like, man, you kind of broke my heart. And he's like, I'm sorry, it wasn't personal. I'm really sorry, but I have to go fulfill my destiny, basically. Yeah. And May has to make a choice because Zuko is escaping with Sokka and the Water Tribe. They're making their break for it on this, what do they call it? A zipline thing? Yeah. They have names. Whatever they're called. They're in it. And the guards are going to cut the cable. And Azula's like, haha, you're all going to die. But May stops them from cutting the cable. Yeah. She saves Zuko's life because she loves him. And Azula's like, what the fuck was that? And then Azula's going to fry May. And Ty Lee's like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. And stops her from doing it. And these people are just trying to stop you from murdering your friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, Ty Lee obviously is like, I just don't want you to fight. Mm-hmm. But Azula loses her goddamn mind. <laughs> yep, because to her, it's a betrayal. And, like, yes. they show throughout the show that Azula calls them friends, yeah. but she deploys May and Ty Lee like weapons. She right. literally only goes to find them when she's like, oh, the Avatar has a crew. I should have one, too, and I know just the girls. And it's like... So often, she literally just gives them orders. They're not actually friends. I think they would be if she let them be. Yeah, and they you can tell that May and Ty Lee think they're friends. Yeah. But over the course of, like, Zuko's return, there's elements of clearly seeing, like, oh, wait, Azula sees us as assets first. Right. And I think, in the end, Ty Lee's trying to save Azula from herself, but mm-hmm. Azula's not ready for that (laughs) no not at all so she loses her only two friends and then when she becomes uh, her father makes her the fire lord when he becomes the phoenix king because he's gonna Mm -hmm. burn the world (laughs) and she is so distraught because her two friends have betrayed her in her mind that she sends away everyone she banishes her servants her mentors everyone until she's alone Yeah, and she can't do anything by herself either. No. Like, she didn't realize how much she should have relied on people. Like, whereas Aang is building this team that shows how powerful relying on other people can be, Mm -hmm. Azula shows the same by essentially removing everyone else for her life. Yeah, she tries to cut her hair, but she just ends up with this, like, half-cut 
really bad hair. It's a very bad bob. It's real bad. <laughs> it's not good. It's a bad effort. And she's like freaking out because she can't trust anybody. And then Zuko and Katara show up. Yes, and then they have the final battle. Yeah, she's like, let's have a fight, and she's not okay. Yeah. And also, Zuko has learned how to redirect lightning, so he's not scared of her anymore. Mm-hmm. And she is supposed to be dueling Zuko, but when she realizes that she's losing, she fires at Katara. Yeah. So, it's a cheap shot. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, that's what she's been reduced to, because Zuko says at the very beginning, like, when she's like, oh, I'll challenge you to an Anagnikas, he's, like, frowning, and he kind of whispers, like, not whispers, but says aside to Katara, something's wrong. Yeah. Like, she's off her game. I think I can actually do this. And he could have. Like, that's the thing, is he definitely right. could have. He was going to win that fight, and she knew that, so she aimed at someone else, and he takes the shot. Yeah. All he can do is, like, be in the way of it. And then Azula has to fight Katara, and she definitely loses that fight. <laughs> yeah, and Katara's straight up like, I will whoop your whole fucking ass. Yes. Like, <laughs> I am an awesome tense. But like, woof. <laughs> yeah, and and then Azula ends up just tied to this crate, and she is powerless for the first time ever. So she's just sitting there raging. Yeah, she's like writhing around like an animal and screaming, like yeah, quite literally spitting flames. And right. she's just she's so broken. She's absolutely broken. And I think what we get to see at the end is that Fire Lord has made both of his children unspeakably fragile. Yeah, Ozai is he wins absolute shittiest parent award. Yeah. Because the thing you slowly get to find out too with Zuko's return and Azula's fall, mm-hmm. the first person their father destroyed was their mother. Yes. It's kind of implied that she's killed, but in a tense of like she was sent away and never seen from again. Right. Well, and then at the end it's sort of implied that she might actually just be in exile somewhere. <laughs> yeah, like that she might not be dead. But it's funny because from Zuko's memories, he remembers her as kind and soft and loving. And Azula's memory, she remembers being ignored. Yeah, she says when she has a, a hallucination or a vision of her mother in the mirror at the end when she's losing her mind, because she feels like her mother always saw her as a monster. And her, yeah. her vision tells her that she, she didn't. She said, I loved you, but... It's, like, not enough for Azula at this particular point. (laughs) Yeah, no, she's like, fuck you. You saw me as a monster. Don't lie to me. I am a monster, but I'm a good one. Yeah, and it's hard. So we never really get to see the reality. Like, we don't know. But I have a strong suspicion that the mother did love Azula, but Mm -hmm. Azula was taught to reject that love by her father in order to be this strong and monstrous person. It seems like Ozai got to her first. I think this is actually resolved in comics. Like, they make comics after the show, which gets us a little bit into what have they done now, but I'm not ready to be there yet. Yeah. What else haven't we talked about? Because... Ooh. I can tell this is already going to be a long episode. I, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care either. I watched the whole thing and it was amazing. Um, Uncle Iroh is just fantastic. I know we already mentioned Perfect. it. Perfect. Yes. He's good all the time. Mm-hmm. He also runs into Toph by accident when neither of them know who each other are. Yes, and he's so sweet to her. He's so nice. He makes her tea and like gives her this really important life advice. And then that mm-hmm. also becomes important later because when they run into Iroh again, she's like, no, I had a meeting with this guy and it was great. I love him. And like, yeah, he's what? really chill. And everyone else is like, but he looks like a Fire Nation soldier. And she's like, yeah, you people who see are stupid. He's really yes. nice. <laughs> Let me tell you about this. Yeah, it's amazing. The only other note I did want to talk about 
So we said that Uncle Iroh was originally voiced by Mako, who yeah. is also the voice of Aku in Samurai yeah. Jack, and was really amazing. But he mm-hmm. did pass away in 2006, so he didn't yeah. get to finish Airbender. I did also want to note that Mark Hamill voices Fire Lord Ozai. Yes, yes! I forget that sometimes because, like, the Mark Hamill that voices the Joker that is Luke and that is Ozai, those are completely different people. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> yep. Yeah. All different, like, what a career he's had. <laughs> I know, it's really amazing. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else I wanted to say about this show? I mean... There's so much to talk there's about. There's so much. Like, we didn't even talk about, like, the political structures or, like, the cultural stuff that they do in the show, which is yeah. all also very complex and amazing. Did not even mention the fact that everyone in this show is some variety of Asian. Or color, just or, in general, yes. a person of color. Absolutely like, everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are no white people in the show. <laughs> They're intentional about that. Very. Like, it's very, very good. <laughs> yeah. Like, each nation is sort of a different variety of Asian. And I use that very broadly. We pretty well, much range. I think the water tribes are supposed to be semi-Inuit. Like, That's true. Not completely, but, some, but it's the idea of, like, there is color in this world. Yeah. I would say that the Fire Nation is some kind of mushmash of, like, in terms of features of, mm-hmm. like, of an Asian nation, you Well, know? they seem pretty Japanese. Mm-hmm. And then the Earth Tribe, I'm not sure. Yeah, see, they seem, because the Earth Tribes are spread out yeah, a little bit more. they range. Like, the Fire Nation is very centralized. They're two, like, the North and the South Pole for the Water Tribe. Yeah. Which makes sense for them to be kind of like Inuit, but then Earth Tribe feels a little bit like Hufflepuff in Harry Potter, <laughs> like everybody else. Like. Yes, they're still brown. Yeah. And then the air, we only get to see a few air people because they're yeah. all dead, but uh, they're more like Tibetan. Yeah. And I mean like not only in clothing and styles, but in facial features as well. Exactly. And I know uh, when the show was airing, they actually did little behind the scenes sort of nuggets. All of the bending styles are based on different martial arts. Yeah. So the movements that they are doing are not made up. They're martial arts forms. And they went out of their way to find a particular martial art, like where the moves matched up with the element. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're consistent. Like the water bending always looks the same, but it yep. looks different than fire bending. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I really love in the lore of the place that mm-hmm. all of the bending is expanded in different ways. So like fire bending can translate to lightning bending. Yeah. Earth bending translates to metal bending. But you also have people that are swamp benders. You have people that are sand benders that are like different types of earth or different types of water. And I love the idea that like bending adapts to the environment. They don't adapt the environment to benders. Right. Which is super different. And I love it so much. And then outside of the political intrigue, which is great, but I mean, that's not, I wouldn't say that their avatar is the only cartoon that does that because if no. you've watched Clone Wars, hell yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> But one thing that Avatar does amazingly and consistently to me that we haven't touched on is their attachment to spirituality. Because they never forget that Aang as the Avatar is a spiritual being. And even with him communing with animals, like, there's a couple different times where he has to go into the spirit world Mm -hmm. and talk to spirits. Like, the fucking... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at one point, Admiral Zhao goes to some spirits that are in Earth form and tries to literally kill the moon. Oh my god, and yeah. And succeeds! 
Like, he kills the fucking moon. Uh, yes. <laughs> and it has dire consequences, and a character has to sacrifice herself. And also, all that happens, and then it becomes, like, a not a joke in the show, but no one forgets it. Like, at one point, Sokka is talking to someone, they're like, how have you been? He goes, yeah, well, my last girlfriend had to die and become the moon, so... There's that's that. <laughs> that's Zuko. He does, says that to Zuko, and then Zuko's like, well, that's rough, buddy. And you're like, yes. yes. <laughs> so it's like, it's funny and lighthearted, but it's also like true and permanent and not forgotten. Yeah, and it becomes part of the story. Like, mm-hmm. it is it is a note that is bought up again. And like just the idea that, yes, the animals are all doubles, like you have turtle ducks and stuff like that, and it's really fun. But they never forget, too, that like, there's this whole scene with a red and blue dragon that they use to talk about the two different people who are at war within Zuko's heritage. Yes. And it's great because he has red flames and his sister has blue. Ugh. And it's just so seamlessly interwoven into the story that you forget that not only does Aang bring balance to people, mm-hmm. he brings balance to the world. Yes. And they do it in so many different little ways throughout the story that at the end, you're just like, absolutely everything you're doing right now is perfect and earned and I love it. Yeah, that ending, like the finale is so good and so earned and just like, I think about it and I sometimes still get chills. Like it's just, oh, it's so good. <laughs> I so feel good. like, like this show demonstrates to me why you should know where you're going with the story when you start it. Yeah. Because it all works so well together. I don't have anything negative to say about the show at all. I loved it. Yeah, (laughs) literally. And, like, it's one of those things that even when it was airing, every episode felt like a surprise. Like, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I wasn't sure where they were going to go. I wasn't sure, like, which characters would have an arc. Because, like, everyone has an arc. It's just a matter of whose arc are you watching. And the story, overarchingly, is Aang's. Mm-hmm. but everyone is a part of it everyone grows the kids that are at the end of the show are different people yeah. than they were at the beginning of the show and honestly because the whole point is that Aang defeats the fire lord and is supposed to bring peace to the world you believe these kids could do it mm-hmm. like at the end of the show you have an idea of the path that they'll lead of like how important they could be and how they'll make a better world right they earn it so they earn the better world that they create and it's so so good it's so good oh my god oh, so much of yeah. it's so good it's yeah it's crazy yeah no there it's impossible to overhype this because it's it is as good as people say it is yeah i'm so glad you liked it yeah no i it was impossible for me not to like it Excellent. it's amazing uh-huh. i just like at the end of the show all i wanted was to tell everyone who ever thinks that they're gonna make some magic fantasy epic they had better study the last airbender before they start yeah because it's perfect i feel like avatar the last airbender is truly the pinnacle of what kids tv can do yes because this doesn't just resonate with children it resonates with adults it has morals but they're just part of the story it shows growth it teaches while still being silly and super fun with ang they never let you forget how powerful joy can be and like Ooh, it talks about friendship. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that the morals is kind of an interesting point since we've talked about it in a lot of our other things. Like, mm-hmm. this is probably the first time we've watched something where they're sophisticated about that concept. Yeah. It's not, they don't just slap on some little educational thing at the end and they don't have like 
a hard lesson to learn in most of the episodes. It's that the characters themselves have to struggle with important questions and reach their own answers. Exactly. And they don't always reach the right answer. No, they don't always. I mean, the entire arc with the Freedom Fighter. Why yes. have I forgotten his name? Oh, Jet. Yes, Jet the Freedom Fighter yeah. is so strong because... Team Avatar is initially like, whoa, this kid is the best. He's yeah. fighting the Fire Nation, doing all this stuff. He's killing people. He is. He's just straight up narking people. He's a character that makes the show confront what they've been doing all along. That's like, Team Avatar does not kill people. They hurt people. Right. They leave people incapacitated. They do not <laughs> kill people. Jet is straight up like, it's a fucking war. Yeah. I'm gonna kill people. Right. He lost his parents. The Fire Nation killed his parents. Yeah, and they cannot convince him otherwise. They can't. Now, what happens to Jet is incredibly oh, tragic. And like, My God. We whoa. didn't even talk about Ba Sing Se. Ba Sing Se is fucking insane, Jesus. Like, like, you're like, oh, we finally <laughs> made it to the Earth City. And then you're like, no, it's a dystopia. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just like, even if war isn't touching you, war affects you. Yes. And that's the strength of the show, is that so far we've been leaning a lot on the beginning and the end, because those are some of the most climactic moments, but the entirety of the show is so strong. Again, they go into the desert to go to a library that is protected by a sentient owl creature. Yes. It's like an owl god. Oh, so good. That fucking library is it's amazing. Just, man, it was tailor-made for me, and I'm just like, could I just work there? Can I just, yes. can I just be there? Um, but they have to trick it, and inevitably, like, it's kind of a god, and knows a lot of stuff, and they're like, holy shit, you're fucking with me. Cool. You don't get to be here anymore. But the information they need leads to the finale, but at the same time, it's also when they lose Appa. So they yes. gain something while losing something, and it's just, again, no fucking fillers. Some of the times when you're following Uncle Iroh around, you're like, oh, this is going to be a filler episode. Nope. nope. Turns out that motherfucker is part of a secret society <laughs> of literally just old people who are like, this war fucking sucks, and we've just been waiting for our time to do something about it. Like, and then they do. And then they do. <laughs> it's amazing. It's Everything so is good. so important. <laughs> There's an episode where Sokka and Katara get sick and Aang is on his own and he has to go around and like find a cure for them. And it's literally this whole idea of just him being by himself and having to remind himself, well, I'm still the fucking Avatar, even though I have friends. Yeah. And he meets this weird healer lady and her cat and it's so fun. <laughs> oh, I know. They were so great. She's one of those crazy cat ladies, but it's yeah, so good. but also good. And just reminding him about like, hey, if you look around and you calm down, you can do stuff. There are episodes in this show that you could say you could take out, but the show would not be as robust without them. And it has a definitive beginning and a definitive end. And every single piece of it is incredibly earned. And all the lessons we talk about are text. They're not subtext and they're not slapped on at the end. It's just straight up watching these kids grow over what's essentially years. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's not. It's like one year. Oh, yeah, that's right. It it's like crazy. <laughs> I was like, this really should have been like three years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, they pack it in. Mm-hmm. Oh, we haven't even talked about romance. Like, romance is I a part know. of it. But in a way of like, romance is a part of life. Like, it just is. It's just happening. It happens. It doesn't always go the way you want it to. No. Sometimes you have some false starts. There's a moment where Aang kisses Katara and she's like, I just told you I was confused. Yeah. It was amazing. She's not into it at first. And Katara has many different moments throughout the show where, like, they meet a boy and Katara's like, ooh, a boy. (laughs) A boy. It's true. And Aang is just very much like, oh, no. 
a boy. Oh, yeah. It happens a lot. And it takes Aang a while to figure out that he has a crush on Katara. Mm-hmm. He's 12 and doesn't know about love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and by the end, like, you know they're going to be together. You know they are. But by the end, it's also earned. Yeah. She's like, okay, well, the war is over now, so I'm willing to think about this. Which is basically what she told him the first time. Yeah. Was like, hey, there's a lot going on. My dad is captured. There's a war. I have a lot of responsibilities right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. Yeah, which again, Katara's my favorite. <laughs> right? And Sokka ends up with Suki, who is mm-hmm. one of the Kyoshi warriors. So, you know, he had to put on a dress. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but then and he treats that. her with so much respect for the rest of the show. Yeah, and when he sees her again after everything, he's so happy to see her. Yeah. And they have a little bit of a moment where he's trying to protect her, and she straight up is like, Excuse me, I've been a freedom fighter this whole fucking time. Stop telling me what to do. Yes. And it's so good. And then Duco and May end up together, which is great. I and know. Again, all of this feels very earned. I will say, it's a kid show that was made in the past. There is no queer representation in this show. Mm-hmm. And I would say that would be the only thing that it's lacking. I know. Which, holy fucking shit. It shows people that are neuroatypical. It shows yes. people that are uh, differently abled. It shows people who are diverse. Like, yeah. it shows people of different ages, different genders being empowered. Like, literally the only thing it doesn't have is LGBTQ plus representation. That's pretty fucking good for a kid's show, y'all. <laughs> I know. Like, I know. They're so close. that don't do that. <laughs> it's true. It's true. They really nailed it. They're so close to everything. Mm-hmm. So I didn't write anything else down because I literally could write essays about this show. Now you know why when we first started this, I was like, I could talk about this show forever. There's <laughs> so much that's so worth talking about. Mm-hmm. I know we, there's still things that we've completely missed and yeah. I, I can't talk about everything. <laughs> no, but it's so good. It's- yeah. So I guess we can talk about what's been done since. Yes. When the show came out, they made a trading card game, three video games, two Lego sets, an art book, and several books, and then also comic books that continue the story. Mm -hmm. In 2010. Nothing happened. (laughs) Yeah, nothing happened. Uh, I guess we have to talk about it. Nickelodeon Movies and Paramount made really terrible life choices. It was really bad. That M. Night Shyamalan should help them make a CGI live action movie in 2010, guys. There's no excuse for what happened with that movie. It was terrible. And even though they had source material, it was so shitty. So, it's considered one of the worst movies ever made. They tried to basically make the first season into a live-action movie. Uh, apparently, they didn't listen to the original creators and didn't involve the original creators, which is where they went horribly wrong. Yep. I actually saw the movie, but I you don't... Did? I did, but I don't remember anything about it except that the 3D stuff made me motion mm-hmm. sick. So, I know it was bad. Nothing really made sense. I don't remember anything being compelling at all, which seems to be a general consensus. Yeah. Okay, so the movie sucked. Don't ever watch it. Yes. <laughs> um, there were supposed to be two more movies, but the first one sucked so bad they didn't make them. Best decision they made about the movie. <laughs> yeah. Instead, they made The Legend of Korra, which aired from 2012 to 2014 and follows the Avatar after Aang, whose name is Korra. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I guess, did you you liked it? Uh, maybe? Okay, I've never maybe. seen The Legend of Korra, so I have no <laughs> idea. I can't tell you. 
there are lots of things I loved and lots of things I hated. The original Avatar The Last Airbender is fucking stellar. Korra is weird. We should do another episode. We should do a follow-up and watch Korra. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> and then in 2018, the original creators announced that they would be making a live-action remake mm-hmm. with Netflix. So I guess that's in We are production. all waiting with Pitchfork. <laughs> Okay, yeah, at least it's back to the original yeah. creators. But so. I'm also just like, just put the show on Netflix. Like, I don't need a live action. Just take the um, Yeah, a little bit. Like, it's one of those <laughs> It's one of those things where you're like, but I love the yeah. animation. And also, I don't understand why anybody wants live action versions of yeah. animated things because I like mm-hmm. animation. Same. So, I feel the same thing. It never really makes sense yeah. to me. Looking at you, Disney. Yeah. But they are doing that, so it's certainly not forgotten. Yeah. And that's, that brings us up to now. So, we already said the show is just yeah, fucking Yeah, 20 out of 10. Stand so by it. <laughs> yeah. If you feel like it, this is one of the rare times I'm like, at me, tell me what you loved about Avatar The Last Airbender, the show. If you at me about the movie, you will be blocked immediately. <laughs> oh, man, that's totally fair. I don't think anybody likes the movie, though. <laughs> no, no one doesn't. If you liked the show, you didn't like the movie. I'm sure there's someone who thought the movie was an original thing and was like, oh, that was fun. Because that's true of, like, anything. Yeah. But, like, no, I I really, really love this show. I loved it when it first came out. I loved it when it finished. And I love it now. And I will forever love it. The end. <laughs> the end. Yeah. It definitely deserves the hype that it's gotten. And it definitely deserves all the attention. And it is one of the best cartoons yeah. I've ever seen. It's one of the best shows I've it's ever just watched. It's a good fucking show. Yeah. It's a really good story. It's really well thought out and imagined. And it has the best redemption story that I've ever seen. And I think uh, I probably won't buy most other people's redemptions nope. anymore. <laughs> like, you're talking about like angry teenage boy redemption arcs? like Yeah, that's how you fucking do it. <laughs> uh, you can't do better. That's how you do it. That boy's gonna suffer a lot. And then... <laughs> He can feel better after that. All those choices, or else they don't matter. <laughs> exactly, and you better learn some humility too while yeah. you're on it. <laughs> the world of Avatar is so good. It's so. Uh, uh, I'm doing it again. We're gonna keep talking about it. Okay, we have to end the show. But I know Avatar: The Last Airbender is great. <laughs> it's so good. Please just go watch it. That will make yeah. me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. This show is produced by us, Kelly and Jess, as part of the Adjective Sphinx Network. The music we use was sung by me and can only be found here. And you can find links to any info we used in the show in the show notes. Find us and our sibling shows on Twitter at Adjective Sphinx or email us at adjectivesphinx at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it on iTunes and leave a review. Thanks for listening.